Welcome to SpotCast, your single point of contact podcast for the service management and support industry, brought to you by HDI, where service management and support professionals belong. Smarter service, better business, HDI, on the web at thinkhdi.com. I'm your host for SpotCast, Roy Atkinson. Episode 17 is an interview with David Cannon. David is known for crafting industry best practices for strategy and IT operations, which he uses to make organizations function more effectively and efficiently. He has led consulting practices in Forrester, Hewlett Packard, and BMC Software, creating effective operating models that exploit both business and technology capabilities in integrated solutions. David believes that successful digital strategy is an enterprise initiative that integrates technology from multiple internal and external sources to achieve business success. He is the co-author of the ITIL 2007 Service Operation Book and the ITIL 2011 Service Strategy Book, and he was awarded two Lifetime Achievement Awards by ITSMF. David will deliver a session at Service Management World 2019 called Strategy, Plain and Simple. Hello, David. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. Hi, Roy. It's a pleasure to talk to you. We're going to talk a little bit about strategy and how that fits in with the whole world of service management. You've written a lot about this, and in in one recent article on Support World, you said that the most common strategic planning practice is to define strategic plans as part of the annual budgeting process. And then you go on to say, research shows that the most common reason for strategies failing is the lack of budget. So can you explain a little bit about why that is? And, and um, I, I can try to. It's, okay. um, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting issue. I think very often the budget cycle, although strategy forms part of the budget cycle, uh, the budget cycle is, is actually also involved with the operation of the organization. And so budgeting has to cover everything that exists today that's going to be done over the next year, that's going to continue over the next year. It also includes uh, things that we know about that are coming down the line that we need to plan for. And then it also includes some of these uh, uh, ideas that people have had that they might want to turn into practice over the coming year. And so the budget cycle really uh, plans for all of that, not just strategy. When it comes down to it, uh, an everyday operation the uh, the money that gets spent as part of your budget, the priority for that is always going to be keeping the business running. So, uh, you know, so w- when it comes to it, if you need to spend more money on keeping the business running and doing what it's doing today uh, because of some, un- some unforeseen circumstance, you're going to earmark that money for that purpose. And that is going to come out of your strategic budget. I think the other thing that happens is that because the budget gets planned well in advance of the year commencing, things change. So what might have been a really good strategic idea halfway through the previous year, now that we're halfway into the new year, is no longer such a good idea because things have changed. And so um, maybe there's no longer the budget for that new idea that we want to come up with. So the old idea is not any good. We want to come up with something new. But there's not enough budget for the new idea that we're planning. Uh, And so that has to go into the next year's budget. 
And of course, by the time the next year budget gets to be spent, that idea might not be as valid as it was. So it kind of perpetuates itself. So a number of reasons why having the strategy plan as part of the budget cycle and only as part of the budget cycle is not always a good idea. I'm going to follow on from that and let's talk about uh, shifts in, in things as the years go on. Uh, in some organizations that I've worked with personally, it felt as if there was no strategy at all. Everything was a reaction to changes in the environment. Uh, some uh, grant or somebody else's budget went away, and so funding disappeared for particular projects, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, as you say, things change during the course of a year, and, and strategies may need to be adjusted. So what's the difference between having an adjustable, fluid kind of strategy and not having one at all? Well, I think not having a strategy at all is actually a strategy because what happens is that your culture and the way you do things on an everyday basis, the way you make decisions, the, the, the way your processes work, whether they're functional or dysfunctional, those become the basis for the decisions you make and those decisions therefore become your strategy so the way you do things today the patterns that you have uh, as we we refer to the four p's one of those p's is the patterns your patterns become your strategy and your strategy then becomes a highly reactive uh, set of decision making uh, and it's based on the culture of your organization and the way you've done things in the past it's also a result of as you've put it, uh, things that have changed during the year. So uh, we have a really good intention at the beginning of the year. That's the strategy. As soon as something changes, that strategy is no longer valid in that form. If you don't change it, it then becomes irrelevant. An irrelevant strategy then becomes no strategy, which then becomes the, uh, as I said, the pattern. Which, uh, which then influences how you make decisions, and it becomes highly reactive. So uh, the, the whole thing about having a, uh, a flexible strategy is absolutely essential. And it's essential not only because the organization changes and because the environment in which you're in changes, but it's essential because the strategy itself makes changes. So you, you've got a plan in place. Your first initiative kicks off. And the first deliverable of that initiative gets delivered. Immediately, you've changed the organization. Well, as soon as you've changed the organization, you've invalidated the strategy in a certain sense because you're now having to start from the new benchmark. The old benchmark has been changed. And so your strategy needs to adjust. And the reason it needs to adjust is because you've had consequences arising from that first deliverable. Some of those consequences will be exactly as planned, then your strategy is on track. But some of those consequences, many of them will be unintended and uh, they'll be unforeseen. And then your strategy is no longer on track. So it has to be adjusted to deal every time you come up with a deliverable, every time an initiative is, is launched or, or partially uh, delivered, you have to reassess the strategy to make sure that it is still on track, may or may not need to be changed. I always think about it outside of a business context. I always think about everyday life when I think about strategy. 
you know, I, I, I say, for example, I'm, I'm going to go to the movies. I have a particular movie I want to see. You know, that's what I want to do. And I, I plan to drive there. And I plan to take a certain route to get to that movie theater. Well, on the way, I, I realized that there's been an accident on the road that I was planning to take. Well, what do you do? do can you still get to the movie theater in time? Uh, if you can, and just stay where you are. Stick it out. If you can't, choose an alternative road. If that's not going to get you in time, your entire strategy may be invalid. That movie at that theater may no longer be an option. Maybe I need to choose another theater, another movie. Maybe I need to cancel the movie and go out for dinner. You know, this is, this is how we've got to think about strategy. Things are always changing. You've always got to adjust not only how you get to your objectives, but your objectives may become invalid uh, because of certain circumstances. You've got to continuously look at both sides, how I'm getting there and whether the objectives that I'm trying to reach are still valid. It seems that you're saying that all strategies in one way or another are transformational. How do we address those transformations in, in real time? And, and I'll come back to a couple of points about this. But one of the questions I have for you is, how does a strategy get communicated? Does everybody in the organization need to know where we're going? And, and how often should that communication be updated? It's a really good question. So I, let, let me start by saying that I, I think having a year-long strategy and updating it once a year is a flawed approach. Um, you know, a year is a, a very long time in today's market. And if you're going to wait for a full year before you think about updating your strategy, uh, it's, it's, it's always going to be out of date and, and it's going to be uh, generally irrelevant by the time you get to the end of the year. So uh, by all means, have a year-long period, but make it a rolling year and assess and reassess your strategy uh, You know, at least once a quarter. And I, I would say even more frequently than that, at least once a month. Uh, make sure that, you've, um, you know, that, that, that you're measuring exactly what, what you're doing and what the results are. Make sure that you're measuring whether your objectives are still relevant within the context of, uh, of your organization and your industry and the market that you're in. Uh, that's very important. So I think following on from that, one of the really important things that you have to do in your strategy is to instrument it, by which I mean you, you need to be able to turn it into a set of metrics that you can measure on a monthly and quarterly basis. So you need to be able to quantify the objectives you're trying to reach. You need to be able to quantify all of the initiatives that you're taking as part of your, uh, as part of your strategy. And you need to be able to report on those on a regular basis. As I say, at least quarterly, preferably even more frequently than that. Um, and following on from that, then, you need a way of communicating those metrics. And the best way to do that, of course, is through dashboards. Once you've instrumented a strategy, in other words, you've, uh, you've translated it into a set of metrics, it's, it's very easy to put those into, into dashboards. And those metrics should include things like, you know, uh, are we on track with this initiative? And uh, not only in terms of time, but also in terms of money that we're spending. Is it going to cost us more than we anticipated? Is it going to be quicker than we anticipated, longer than we anticipated? Are the objectives still relevant? Has a competitor come into the industry and started disrupting, which means we need to adjust that objective? So we need to be evaluating that on a, on a continual basis. 
In terms of communication, uh, it's, it's really interesting to me to go into an organization and find out that the strategy is a confidential document, which means that, that most of the people in the organization never get to see it. They may once, uh, once in a while be communicated uh, uh, with a vision uh, or here is our vision and mission. Uh, but the strategy seems to be this mysterious kind of document that's locked in a safe somewhere, which is absolutely opposite to the intention of a strategy. Strategy is there to make sure that everybody is on board. It's a way of the governors of an organization, in other words, the people who define where that organization is going and how that organization is going to operate. It's a way for them to communicate to the managers and employees of that organization how to execute and do their jobs. Uh, so why you would try to keep it confidential, I, I don't know. We should try and communicate it as much and as, as broadly as possible. Now, there may be some details of the strategy that are confidential. You know, for example, specific security strategies that we have included and privacy strategies that we've included. You know, but those don't tend to be part of the strategy itself. They tend to be part of the detailed plans and architectures that result from the strategy. So I think we, we need to be very clear about our strategy. We need to communicate it broadly and deeply. Uh, we need to have our strategy communicated at almost every all hands, in fact, at every all hands. We need to be updating people on the progress of our strategy at every all hands meeting at department meetings where managers brief uh, the people who report to them, uh, we, should be, we should be talking about our strategies. And uh, now, again, we don't have to talk about the entire strategy at every single meeting, but certainly there needs to be a component at every meeting uh, where we are communicating some aspect of strategy and how we're achieving and how we're moving towards it. Get people used to the idea that this organization is constantly evolving that it's moving in a direction and that that is a good thing. Indicate to them how it's going to affect the way that they work today. If you're going to be measuring strategy, show them how they can contribute to those metrics and uh, update your HR plans to make sure that if you're changing people's metrics and, and performance expectations, you're updating their, uh, their job descriptions and their, you know, the way their bonuses and salaries are calculated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it goes through every layer of the organization. You know, strategy is not just something that sits in the boardroom table and a couple of people get to see it and that's it. It's something that has to permeate through the whole organization, like like yeast in bread, you know, it's got to get through uh, the entire organization and, and influence the way every meeting is held, every decision is made. Our listeners could not hear me nodding all the way through that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right in sync with the way I think about how organizations need to communicate. It also made me think that sometimes from the employee standpoint mission and vision are confused with strategy yes and uh sometimes it's hard to differentiate between those because there isn't clear communication about that so could you briefly describe the difference between those things and 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 how does the strategy strategy okay <laughs> it could it could be a strategy if you run out of money i suppose but how 
how do they fit together and and how how does that when does the vision need to transform if the strategy changes that time? yes there, you know there again if you if you get out into onto the web you will find a thousand different definitions of these things and and this is the way i think about it so this is my opinion my view of this for me a vision is aspirational it's uh, it's a dream the word vision really means dream so it's it's something you're you're sitting and thinking and you're saying Wow, if I could be anything I wanted to be, if we if this organization could grow into the best possible thing it could ever be, what would that look like? Where could we be in 20 years time? It's aspirational. Uh, it, it, it may or may not be achievable at that particular moment. The technology may not exist yet. The organization may not be big enough yet. We may not be generating enough revenue yet. But wow, wouldn't it be good if we could get to that particular place? That's the vision. That's where we want to be. That is what we aspire to be. The mission really is more about, it's a statement of about the, the way in which the organization works. It's the kind of organization that we have. It's, it's, uh, it's the kind of management structure that we would like to have in order to achieve that vision. It's more of a practical expression of, of that vision and, and how we intend our, our company or our organization to, to get there. Uh, but those are not your strategy. I mean, they form part of your strategy or your strategic approach. They're inputs into the strategy. But the strategy is like a, it's like a compass. It tells you, okay, if that's where we're going to go, and we agree, we're all we're going to go there. Which of which components of that vision are achievable now? What do we have to do? So we said we want to be there in twenty years. What can we do in the next year? In the next five years? to be able to achieve that vision. That's your strategy. And uh, your strategy then gets translated into a number of initiatives. So yeah, we wanna be there at the end of the year. Uh, we wanna grow the organization in a particular market with a particular product set. We wanna grow it by 10% over the next year. What do we have to do to get that 10% growth within the next year so that we can achieve our vision in 20 years? Well, uh, there's a number of things we have to do. We, we, we have to uh, change our sales approach. Ah, change our sales approach. That becomes an initiative. And that initiative may result in a single project plan or maybe a, a couple of project plans. One project plan may have to do with actually defining the new sales approach. Another one has to do with training the sales uh, force. Another one may have to do with, uh, with looking at what tools we're going to be using to equip the sales force to sell uh, more, more effectively and efficiently. So there may be one to three projects as part of that initiative. And in the strategy, if you're going to have a document, if you're going to look at it as a document, i.e. your strategic plan, the only thing you'll see in that, in that strategy is a summary of that initiative. It'll tell you, what that initiative intends to do, i.e. grow sales by 10% within a particular region with a particular product set, it will tell you what that objective is and it will tell you how to quantify that. So 10% growth. It will then translate that into here are the three projects that we're going to launch to make that strategy work, to achieve that, uh, to achieve that objective. As part of each of those three projects, it will tell you what the outcome or output of those projects is and how much each project will cost. In other words, the budget for each of those projects. That then gets handed off to the project manager or the program office. And they will take those projects 
and therefore that initiative forward. The only thing the strategy will do is monitor it, make sure that it is achieving what it's supposed to be doing within the time that it's supposed to be doing, and if not, what do we do about that? Is our objective of 10% too ambitious? Is it not ambitious enough? Is it going to take much longer to change the culture of the sales force than we, that, than we anticipated? Maybe this needs to be a two-year initiative rather than a one-year initiative. So that, to me, is the difference between the mission, vision, the strategy, and then the projects or initiatives that arise from the strategy. Let me penetrate a little deeper into this topic and say who needs to be involved in the creation of the organization's strategy and does broader involvement strengthen or weaken that strategy? Because it sounds like in order to receive these initiatives and make them happen, the program office really needs to have a good handle on what the strategy is from period to period, from year to year, so that it, it can produce the results that is expected strategically, right? Uh, so can, can you elucidate yes. that there? I, I can, and I, I also have to qualify this somewhat. So let me first answer the question about the program management office. Uh, to me, the program management office should be sitting in on every strategic meeting. They, they're part of your, if you have a steering committee or, or if you have a strategic planning committee or, or whatever, whatever the mechanism is you use to define the committee, your, your program management office should be on there. And uh, to my mind as well, your service management office should be on there. If uh, if you have such a thing, if you're a, you know if you're using service management as a way to govern and manage IT uh, or technology and and digital uh, technology, they should be in that uh, represented at that strategic level as well. Now, let's just talk a little bit about governance here, because strategy is really a function of governance. If you look at uh, the standards that are involved, ISO 38500, for example, you will see that strategy is the responsibility of the governors of an organization. Now, let's be careful in, in, in qualifying that. What we're talking about there is the enterprise strategy. It is the strategy of the organization as a whole. And that is the responsibility of the board of directors of that organization if it is a, uh, if it is structured in that way. In other words, the most senior level of, uh, not of management, but of a stakeholder within the organization uh, is responsible for defining the strategy. The responsibility of managers is to execute that strategy. And there's a very clear difference between governance and management. Governors define the strategy and make sure that it is working managers execute the strategy and make sure that it is delivering what the governors are expecting. Uh, there is a layer of management in between those two, and uh, we, we often refer to that as the C-suite. So the CEO, the, the chief executive officer, sits between the president of the organization or the most senior governing person or role and the most senior level of management or the executive vice presidents, for example, of the organization. So the most senior level of managers are responsible for managing the organization. However, you will find that a lot of what those senior managers need to do is pretty strategic in nature. I have been told by the governors I, I need to uh, come up with a new plan for how we sell and for increasing the amount of sales that we do. 
Well, to do that, I, as the chief revenue officer, may actually need to come up with a strategy for how to do that. And that strategy forms part of it is subordinate to the enterprise strategy. Now, go a step further, and you will find that the, the North American sales director or sales VP gets given a very specific task within that sales strategy and decides, you know what, I, I, I want to make this a multi-year program. I want to be very strategic about it. And so they may come up with a strategy which fits underneath the overall sales strategy. So it, it's important to note that strategy actually can be layered in an organization. So we have the enterprise strategy right at the most senior level of governance. Underneath that, we have all kinds of levels of management wanting to execute against that strategy, but in doing so, they create strategies of their own. Now, what's interesting is that if you're a governor of an organization, let's say you're the president of the board of directors of the organization, you're really not going to be too interested in exactly which sales tool gets used in North America. But for the North American sales director, that is a strategic decision. So what's very important to note is that wherever you stand in the chain of command will influence what you view as strategic or operational. And it's important to, uh, to, to view how you manage that. If, you, if what you're doing is strategic, you manage it as strategy. You have a strategy document. You, you instrument it and you put it as a dashboard. You make sure that dashboard reports up to the strategy above you and you make sure it controls every strategy that's beneath you. If you are a manager who's executing a strategy, then you're going to manage it like a project. And that's how, you, that's how you're going to uh, proceed. And that's how you're going to treat the initiative that you're working on. So strategy, on the one hand, is very simple. It's just, here's where we're going, here's how we're going to get here. On the other hand, it's very complex because it's layered all the way through the organization. So we often find, for example, people on a service desk saying, I'm going to have a service desk strategy. Well, I, I can tell you right now that the board of directors does not view that as strategic. They view that as very operational. But for the service desk, that is highly strategic. And it's really important to view that as a strategy and manage it as a strategy. I have one question for you that's very specific, and, and it comes from a recent survey that we did, and we've seen this before in other surveys as well. So we asked uh, organizations had a strategy for artificial intelligence in this particular survey, and 61% of the respondents said no. How important are emerging technologies like AI and machine learning to strategies now, and do they need to be specifically included? And let me add there that I suspect that a fair portion of that 61% who responded that there was no strategy may not be aware that there is a strategy, because as you said earlier, a lot of times that strategy is locked in a safe, so they don't know what's going on. That's a, that's a really important question and uh, it, it's, it's not an easy one to answer for a couple of reasons. So first of all, let's talk about artificial intelligence uh, for a minute. A lot of the application of artificial intelligence is not strategic. Some of it is, but a lot of it is not. For example, if you're using bots on your service desk, again, as far as the organization as a whole goes, 
that use of artificial intelligence is not strategic. It's operational. It improves the performance of the service desk. Now, for the service desk manager, of course, that's very strategic. But in the grand scheme of the organization, that particular use of AI is not, strat is not strategic. And therefore, it's doubtful whether you would have an, an enterprise-wide strategy that covers all of those operational uses of AI in this, in this particular instance. That's on the one hand. Now, on the other hand, let's take a look at AI as a disruptive technology. The, the fact that we are now seeing cars being used to disrupt an entire industry, right? self-driving cars, uh, which, uh, which, you know, they're still in experimental stage. But we're starting to see, uh, for example, uh, self-driving cars replacing uh, taxis and taxi operators. Um, that, that use of artificial intelligence is disruptive and therefore very strategic to an organization, especially if you're, if you're in the business of transport. It's a, it's a very interesting question because on the one hand, there are things about emerging technology that are highly strategic and for which you absolutely need to have a strategy. The, on the other hand, there are applications of artificial intelligence that are purely operational. And I would say the way to handle that is through your architecture. In other words, your, your architecture, your enterprise architecture needs to be continuously evaluating the, uh, the environment, in this case, artificial intelligence, but also machine learning. And there are a few others that are coming up. They need to be continuously monitoring this and looking for opportunities within the organization where those technologies can improve the way in which an organization currently functions. Now, for the enterprise architecture team, that is very strategic. And, and certainly, I, I would see that fits very well within, within that team. However, there's a drawback to that. And that is, as we know, many enterprise architecture teams don't have the authority to make those changes. And so what you find happening is that they're doing a lot of investigation. They're defining future architectures. But then they have to try and influence the actual uh, managers and governors of the organization to adopt those strategies. And, and very often, depending on the culture of the organization, that can be very difficult. So here's a tie back into strategy. From an architectural point of view, it needs to be very clear that your organizational strategy needs to outline the role of enterprise architecture in influencing the changes within the organization that emerging technologies will bring. So there needs to be a strategic kind of oversight to make sure that when enterprise architecture or whoever is responsible for evaluating uh, emerging technology comes up with a better way of doing things, that there is a way of bringing that into the organization, that the culture is ready to adopt it and, and that the organization can move forward. So a long-winded and, and kind of convoluted way of saying, yes, even though technology application can be operational, it does need to be included in strategy in some way, either directly as a business strategy, here's how we're going to use technology to disrupt our industry, or as a way of improving the way in which our organization works. And just to add to that, I think where you find that an organization has an AI strategy uh, you may often find that what it actually is, is an AI future or proposed architecture. 
but not a strategy at all. And, and, and sometimes I find that people who have a technology-based strategy will find that it is not actually a business strategy at all uh, and that it could actually get them in trouble because they will go after technology for the sake of technology, not because it is going to either improve my business or because it's going to, uh, it's going to give me new market opportunities. And really, the reason we go for, for new opportunity is for one of those two things. It's going to make our business better. You know, it's going to make us operate better or it's going to give us new opportunities out there. There's, there's not much other reason for us to go into a particular technology direction. And, and I can say, you know, from uh, we, we're now looking in hindsight a little bit at cloud. And I, I remember those organizations that had cloud strategies. You know, and, and they were saying things like cloud first is our strategy. Great. But in many of those organizations, they went to cloud when they really shouldn't have, you know, when they could have done it better in-house and when it made more sense for them to do it in-house. And now they're sitting locked into cloud applications that are inefficient, that, that they have little control over. And, um, you know, you've got to be very careful about making a technology-based strategy that is not business-based that does not have a particular business use case, either to improve your organization or to, uh, you know, or to improve the way that you enter your market. Well said. And I thank you ever so very much for having this conversation with me, David. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that people will learn from it, which is the most important thing. Well, thank you, Roy. And thanks very much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. For more about HDI, visit us on the web at thinkhdi.com and see Support World for great content. I'm Roy Atkinson, your host for Spotcast. Until next time, take care.